Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and excited to have with me today Lynn Fraser, who is here to talk about all of her amazing work that she's doing. I was just telling her before I hit record that, uh, you know, I was on her website and one found an amazing video that I just put out on the Facebook page uh, for the Healing Place podcast, but also, uh, you know, the work she's doing. So, welcome, Lynn. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I, again, I, I'm, fascinated by the, um, you know, your philosophies and the, just on that video alone of, and I told you I'm such a trauma geek when it comes to the brain plasticity and, you know, the healing work that can be done. Uh, you and I talked about just the knowledge itself. You can find hope in that. You know, I think one of the things that's very helpful to know about trauma is that it's stored in the body along with the associated memories. And most people are really afraid to go into the body because it was stored at a time when we felt powerless or hopeless. And what I really know from working with myself and with other people as well is that, in fact, we can heal that. And all of that energy that might be there, it might be, you know, to just kind of dive right into this. One of the first questions that we would look at is, what's that energy here for? Yeah. Is that here to hurt me? Because painful energy often feels like it's here to hurt us. But in fact, every single time when we look at that, it's here to help us. It's here to warn us or protect us. And we get to know ourselves through getting to know the energy in our body and those thoughts. And then we get to, you know, release the Velcro is what we call it. We have this stickiness between the memory of something that happened and the energy in our body. I work a lot with helping people to be kind and compassionate with themselves so that we can connect. So Dr. Gabor Mate has a, a quote that I use all the time about trauma is that it's anything that causes us to disconnect from ourselves, from our sense of value and from the present moment. And, and to me, that means healing is what we can do to connect with ourselves and to see our sense of value and to be able to be in the present moment. So most of the practices that I do and the healing work I do is to help us to make friends with ourselves and to be kind and compassionate towards ourselves. And so many people have this inner critic where we really are frustrated that we're not better, that we're not feeling better, that, you know, we've done talk therapy, we've looked into this and we're still feeling like there's, there's an impact of trauma, past life trauma, not past life in terms of previous lives, but past life in terms of our early life. And so it's helpful to have a method and a way of looking at it and understanding it 
so that we can bring that compassionate view to the six-year-old who maybe there wasn't even abuse in the family. Maybe there was neglect or, or, you know, there was mental illness or another child in the family that had a lot of health concerns. So this one got kind of set aside because there wasn't anything urgent. There's so many ways that that can happen. And that even if we had a lack of attunement and a lack of empathy as we were growing up, that we can do that for ourselves right now. And we can connect with ourselves and we can be kind and attuned to ourselves. And that, that that's a lot of the healing processes that just tuning into ourselves and learning to be kind. Yes, very much so. And that's one of the gifts that I finally, you know, was able to embrace. And I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I remember being in, I did EMDR therapy for four years and I remember being in therapy and when my therapist was, would advise for me to, you know, breathe and do the breathing techniques. We, we worked on a four square breath and then a rolling mm-hmm. breath. We tried different ones. And I, I just was struggling horribly with um, the breathing exercise. And I finally came to the realization that I was so terrified of the breathing because it made me focus on being in my body. And my MO was uh. dissociation a lot. And so um, I had to do the healing work in order to be able to be comfortable in my body, mm-hmm. then allow the breathing. And now I utilize breathing all the time. Yeah. But until, you know, what like you were just saying, learning to be comfortable within yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. is very powerful. Well, and that really speaks to how we protect ourselves from feeling overwhelmed. So if we have something that's going on, I mean, children don't have a lot of power. Uh, they don't have a very good brain development yet. It's very simple, you know, so there's there's pretty much a universal issue with children is that we need to feel safe. We need to feel like someone's protecting us and we need to feel attuned to, like someone has, has to notice that we're there and that they think we're valuable. We're worth paying attention to. And if we don't have that for whatever reason, children will always try to kind of turn that against themselves thinking, well, if I'm not being loved, it must be because I'm not love. I'm not lovable. And so what could I do to make that different or better? And so then we get into, um, you know, placating behaviors or fawning or, or, you know, trying to connect with a parent who's not really there for us, that kind of thing. But also we get into dissociation, going into freeze. Some kids go into a fight response. And so it's, I think it's so helpful to know that I mean, this is our primitive brain and our survival systems, which are not very sophisticated. <laughs> but a lot of those patterns and those strategies carry over into our adult lives until we do something to really understand and heal the momentum of that. But also that the, the purpose of those is to keep us safe. So if we are, are in freeze a lot of the time, the purpose for that is so that we have to feel powerless or helpless or mm-hmm. or hurt or that you know some something's happening that we're not being protected so it's all a good good intentions and then as an adult we might look at it and go wow I really don't want to just be in freeze my whole life I need to do something to heal this so I can be more present yes and then yeah, we I love that yes and and it's true and I think once we become cognizant of um the whys Mm-hmm. it really helps with moving along that healing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, once we understand what was happening in our childhood and now in our adult lives, 
for those right. who have experienced trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and what? Even, go ahead. Oh no, good. I was just going to say, even for someone who might be sitting here right now, um, if you you know, if, if we tune into the breath, we might be holding our breath. That's very common when we're thinking about something is troubling, or our shoulders might have gone up around our ears. We could relax them. So understanding the, the physiological processes, that what's happening in the body is so helpful. And then we can get into um, tools and different ways. EMDR is a really wonderful therapy. And, you know, the meditative inquiry that I use, a lot of it's very, it's very body-based. We're really, what's going on in the body? What are the sensations? What do they mean? Um, but we don't have to go into every memory that was scary in order to heal. Right. You know, a lot of it is to change our relationship with those memories so that we can have that connection with ourselves at a younger age. We can have that kindness and go, wow, you know, that was really hard. I really felt alone. I really didn't know what to do at the time. And now as an adult, I could reassure that child. I could connect with her. I could bring her in and let her know that it's over. You know, we're not back in that situation anymore. Yeah, how beautiful. And what, what is that work? What, what is it again? So it's a meditative inquiry process. Okay. Uh, it's very somatic based. It's called the Killaby Inquiries. Um, and then I also bring in, I've been teaching meditation for over 20 years and yoga. And so I bring in a lot of that understanding of the polyvagal system, alternate nostril breathing, all of those different ways to work with our nervous system. And also to work with our mind. So I I wrote a book called Friends with Your Mind, How to Stop Torturing Yourself with Your Thoughts. And that's what a lot of people's experiences is with with trauma is that we have a lot of catastrophic thinking or we ruminate about things. Something didn't go well, like we made a mistake or social anxiety. All of those things can really be worked with. So it's kind of a combination. The work I do is this meditative inquiry, this mindfulness inquiry and really working with the nervous system and understanding the trauma responses. And I don't think we can ever go wrong if we look at something and go, is this a trauma response? Like what impact did trauma have on this? Yeah. And how could I understand it through that lens? And that, that can often open up a lot of a different perspective, a different way to hold that. Oh, for sure. I'm, I -hmm. think taking a step back from something and, and just recognizing if you're being triggered or aroused or whatever word you want to use and saying, um, yeah, what's happening in my body, number one, right. what's surfacing, but two, um, what lesson is, is there to be found in this? Mm-hmm. Um, I know mm-hmm. I've certainly, certainly utilized that. So, so talk to us a little bit about, um, I'm super excited to start joining you. <laughs> on these daily meditations that you do. So I actually started that as a 30 day practice in December 2015 and it's still going. So it's every day for about a half an hour at 8 a.m. Eastern, it's on Zoom, it's free. I'm there every day with people. And we do practices, um, you know, some of the deep yoga nidra practices that I know through the Himalayan tradition of yoga meditation. So blue star and sweeping breath and some of those practices that really help us to get to that state of consciousness where the mind is very still and awake and the body is relaxed. Uh, We do some of that. We do um, what Scott Killaby would refer to as natural rest, which is just kind of resting in awareness, being aware of what's happening in the space that our body is in, 
what are the sensations, the energies there, what are the thoughts in the mind, we learn how to kind of watch the mind. And, you know, what happens if, if people, you know, can watch their mind, what, what we'll see is that thoughts are words and pictures. And some thoughts just kind of flow through the back of our mind, we don't pay them any attention. You know, looking around right now, I might notice, oh, there's a bird out there or, you know, it's the sky. Oh, there's a blue sky over there or something. So those are really thoughts that don't matter. They don't cause any trouble for us. Right. If we have a thought of, you know, okay, there's clouds in the sky and it's my wedding later and is it going to rain? And, oh, my gosh, the whole thing's going to be a disaster. And, you know, my dress is going to be full of mud and whatever it might be. So that's not a neutral situation. So we might have the same same trigger or same kind of picture in our mind or same thought but it has more meaning for us and when we have a positive thought like we think about our therapy dogs or <laughs> we think about someone we love or we think about being out on the ocean and you know going for a walk at the beach or whatever we have warm feelings in our body you know we have that you know our our shoulders relax our body softens we breathe deeply and we might have images of something or a memory of how it feels you know, when we get a hug from our dog or from a person or something. But when we have a negative feeling, when there's some kind of fear there, we have some kind of activation in the body. And so it might be, you know, our shoulders tighten up, we kind of brace ourselves. It might be that our jaw gets tight. A lot of people clench their teeth. Uh, often there's a feeling of some kind of a churning in the gut or a clenching. So when that happens, that attracts our attention because it's a danger signal. And so our primitive brain runs a lot of the show there. And we just have this brain that's really highly sensitive to making sure that we're never hurt, that we survive, that our physical body survives. And it doesn't really care about happiness and peace and joy and stillness. <laughs> All it wants is to make sure that we're safe. So it overdoes it in terms of warning us, especially if we've had experiences of trauma or neglect or abuse or something like that as children. So if we grew up with an experience of, if something happens and I get in trouble, I know where to go. I can go to my parents, I can go to a trusted person. Then we grow up with that inspiration and that knowledge that we can get help and we can connect with somebody and that helps to reassure our nervous system. We really need connection with other people in order to be safe or to feel safe. If we grew up with being kind of on our own or we go home and say, you know, this thing happened and our parents says, get over it, you're too sensitive or, right. or whatever people might be saying. So much is not even that the parent is a bad person. It's the parent is overwhelmed. We're disconnected. You know, I spent a lot of my uh, time just being kind of in freeze when my son was younger and I didn't really see what was going on I, I felt like I was connected with him but there was a lot of things I didn't see so we have all of those patterns going on and then and then we come in and we kind of watch what's what's happening in the mind what are the thoughts that create this contraction in our body and then you know if we're doing the the meditative inquiry we can go and look at them we'll often do tapping take our attention away from the picture into the sound of the tapping um, so we have tools to work with that but over time, what happens is we start to experience safety in our body. And that's what the, you know, the real benefit of this every day or as often as you can doing some kind of a relaxation practice. Yes. 
you know, getting to know the body. And so these daily practices are, are really wonderful for that because you don't have to do anything. You just turn on Zoom. You don't have to have your picture on and you can just lay back and listen. Oh, I love it. I'll be there. (laughs) And I I love what you're saying though about that because I've utilized, again, I did EMDR for four years, but I utilized so many other alternative outside of therapy methods along this Mm -hmm. journey from tapping or EFT to Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing to meditation to yoga, um, journaling, writing. I mean, there's just so many amazing outlets for um, honoring our own stories, right? Yeah. And if if you notice what you just were, were saying there is that all of those modalities have something to do with the body. So talk therapy can be very helpful on one level. And when we've had experiences of disconnect or trauma and you know i use the word trauma as kind of the ordinary trauma of just everyday life so certainly some of the people i work with have more serious abuse or trauma but a lot of us just have that feeling of you know i was bullied for a few years and this is you know i disconnected or you know my mother had a lot of depression and she didn't get up and make me lunch i didn't really feel like i had anybody in my corner or there's so many things that are difficult and if we don't have that connection and that support, it can really have a, a long-term effect on us. So understanding through talk therapy, understanding through just educating ourselves about trauma is really helpful. But our nervous system needs the experience of feeling safe. And that's what happens through a lot of those practices that you were just talking about. We yeah. feel the trauma releases and we feel safer in our body and we start to trust that we're okay to be present with ourselves. And that's where, that's the healing. It feels wonderful when that happens. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, amen and hallelujah to that. So, yeah. (laughs) So um, Mm -hmm. how did you get into this line of work? Well, I, I started, I I suppose that the real beginning of that happened in the early nineties with meditation and um, learning about the mind, learning how all of that worked. And a few years later, I started teaching in the late 90s, I started teaching meditation, mostly yoga as well. And um, I, I did that part time for years and years. And then I moved out to Nova Scotia in 2012. And I had been um, my son and his family live out here. So I, I was really excited to be able to be here. And I thought I would retire from my uh, previous uh, work. And then I got this training. Um, I was actually on my way out here, driving across the country from Western Canada. And I got an email from Scott Killaby saying, hey, are you interested in this, this inquiry method? And I'm going to do some training. So I started doing that. And then I just kind of gradually, you know, my other work started to go down and this work started to come up. And I've been doing this full time for since about 2014. And I really integrated the yoga and meditation part of it with this. And I started the Radical Recovery Summit in 2017. And one of the first people I interviewed was uh, Gabor Mate, who a lot of people know about him yeah. and his work. And, and I started to, that really, it started to really make a lot of sense to me. So I had had, in 2005, I was riding my bicycle to work and a mentally ill person who was off his meds and on crystal meth punched me in the head. I went off the side of the path a woman who was riding her bike behind me actually stopped and started screaming, which was what took me out of freeze. 
And, but I developed PTSD from that. He didn't hurt me after that. He was, he was caught to court. It was, there was a lot of really kind of hard things about that. That's for sure. But at that time I'd been, you know, practicing meditation and yoga for a long time. So I knew a lot about my nervous system and I was able to heal from that crisis or the shock trauma. But when I, when I interviewed Gabor Mate, I realized how much developmental trauma there was. And, you know, it's only like three or four years ago, but it feels like a lot longer. There's been so much has been come out, so much training, so much education, so much about trauma and how it works in the last four or five years. Oh, yeah. So I just, you know, what I had learned about in 2005 when I was assaulted, Peter Levine, Waking the Tiger, was really the only book I could find on trauma. And now there's, you know, Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score. And there's so many wonderful books. James Gordon now has a book called The Transformation that talks about trauma. And I've interviewed a lot of these people for the Radical Recovery Summit, which is so interesting. Then I really started looking at my own. I had one of those kind of ideal small town upbringings. There was no violence, there was no abuse, no addiction, nothing like that in the house. But when I was 12, I had some experiences with a boy and had a reputation. My, my parents were both really not available emotionally. And so I was really on my own. My best friend had just moved away. It was one of those things that just, you know, when I look at it now and look at what I know about 12 year olds, I, you know, I can really have a lot of compassion for what I was going through then. But that set up the, you know, the, the, the tone for a lot of stuff that happened through my teenage years and, and into my adult years. And so to be able to go back and really understand the mechanism of what happens in the brain, what happens when we're not attuned with, when we feel like we're on our own. And I was able to do a lot of that healing. And then that gradually just kind of worked its way into working with other people using kind of a combination of all of those things. So mostly now I work with fun in classes. I teach classes about trauma and have small groups and different programs. And I work privately as well with people with trauma. Yeah. Well, I only ask because <laughs> I just find it fascinating how many that are in the healing mm. um, arena have, do come from a place of their own healing. Yes. Um, yeah. And their own journey and um, just sharing that knowledge with others. And so I thank you. Yes. Yeah. Sharing yours. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I, I experienced at the time when I, after the assault was that I knew how to heal my nervous system. I was shocked that my mind wasn't stronger than it was. Like I thought after that many years of meditating that I would just be able to kind of sail through that. And then I started having these intrusive flashbacks and different things. And I was seeing a psychologist and she said, you have PTSD. And I'm like, what's that? And right. I didn't even know what it meant. You know, isn't that what soldiers get? And um, so I was able over the next several months, you know, one of the things she told me right at the beginning was don't do anything that scares you. Like don't get back on the horse. Don't, don't do anything that scares you because your system needs to experience safety and it will heal. And that was such good advice. And I was really blessed that I had somebody who she was fairly new out of school and she, she for whatever reason, she knew that that's how PTSD worked. So she said, you know, I said, I can't, I can't make myself go outside and walk across the street to the store. She says, well, then don't have somebody go to the store for you. She said, your system needs to experience safety in order to heal. So over the next several months, I feel like I, I healed, you know, probably 90% of it. 
I still have a bit of a lingering kind of uh, more reactivity at times. I can be activated a bit more easily. But then it was the childhood developmental stuff that was really actually giving me the trouble. And so when I had that opportunity to understand that and to heal that, and, you know, we think, well, that's a long time ago. I shouldn't have to worry about that. But in fact, it, it colors so much of our lives. It, you know, we have this kind of half life that we're living because we're not really present. And it's right. really worthwhile work to do to do this healing work. Yeah. I, yeah. Mindfulness is a big part of my daily life only because it, it, it just is such a wonderful practice for, yes, keeping me here in the now. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Just taking a moment to send out my gratitude to donors and sponsors of the Healing Place podcast and the funding drive through Fractured Atlas. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. And Kathleen Hannigan donated at the Resilience Ally level. And we'd like to thank her for her generous donation. And Joanne Camphouse, my mom, donated at the friend level, which I very much appreciate the support, the love, the encouragement that I continue to receive in growing the global reach of this podcast. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor and helping continue this mission of reaching others with stories of hope and healing, you can visit my website at www.terrywellbrock.com, T-E-R-I-W-E-L-L-B-R-O-C-K, and follow the link for Donate Now at Fractured Atlas. All right, back to the show. So yeah. any myths or facts that you would like to clarify either in regards to, I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of things along the way here, but um, specifically that you would like to address? I think a big one is that is is the sense that people might have that it's too much that they can't handle it, and you know I do think there are some kind of foundational pieces around working with your nervous system, being able to work with the breath, um, you know, not not overwhelming yourself with it, getting the right kind of support. Those things have to be in place too, but people really are resilient and. You know, when we're caught in a, I'm just working right now on a eight week class on traumatic memory and how can we heal those memories is by being present in this moment because there's part of our nervous system that doesn't know that the trauma is over and the way that we update that and bring that into the present and feel safe in the present is by being grounded and using our breath and, and noticing we work a lot with pictures and so we might notice, okay, what are the images that come up? And then and if there's an image, are you seeing it from your, out of your own eyes? Or could you take a look, you know, take a step back and see that that's an image of something that's happened? So I think people feel kind of hopeless around this. Like yeah. the best way to deal with this is just to put it away and never think about it. But it costs us a lot in energy to suppress it. And it really, you know, there's a, there is a period of time when, when we are going to feel sadness. Um, a lot of times we're grieving what we've lost. Uh, you know, the kind of life that we could have had if we hadn't had that trauma. Um, there's often deep regret about things that we've done 
um, that either hurt us or hurt other people. And it might've been something active or just from being in freeze. You know, we just weren't as connected as we could have been. So it feels like this big kind of a mess. It's like saying to someone, I'm stressed. Well, what does that really mean? It probably means you're not breathing very fully. Your body is tight. You have a lot of catastrophic thoughts. And that would be one way to kind of break that down. So when we break it down into all of these pieces, like, okay, so if there's a thought that's a picture, I could put that picture on the wall on the other side of the room. I could look at it and notice the other things on the wall. I could notice what's in the picture, colors and shapes. I could do some tapping on it. So I bring my attention into that and kind of break the connection with the picture. There's a lot of ways that we could do that. You know, if it's, a contraction in our body, we could notice the space around it. We could do some, you know, mining and saying, well, why is this here? Is there a sense of an age? You know, we get to know ourselves on, on, on that way. So I guess the one thing that I would really encourage people to do is to try to move towards feeling yes. in our body. And, and, you know, people find out that it's not very at all wonderful to get to know ourselves and to connect with ourselves and even if even if there's nobody else in our life that really we can trust 100 percent, we could begin to really trust ourselves to be on our own side and that that really makes a big difference yeah well thank you for that yes and two things that came to mind were one it's something that you said um, stirred the that i had read something about um there's part of us that doesn't keep track of time um mm -hmm. And that's, that was a very powerful lesson for me to realize that, you know, there was this injured little person inside of me that had no track of time. And, and so to be able to go back and heal this or help, I always like to envision it of me taking her hand and being like, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Come <exactly>. on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, what do we need to know? We need to know you're safe now. Right. And that wasn't your fault. Right. It wasn't your fault. Right. You know, that didn't happen because you were not lovable or not smart or not worthy enough or something. And we work a lot with core deficiency beliefs. And that's that turning against ourselves. And we do that because if we actually could see that it's not our fault, then we would feel even more powerless. Oh, yeah. If we feel like we've done something wrong, then there's a chance we could do something better. And then yes. maybe we get better. Well, and I think there's such a huge, right now, so much talk going around in the trauma world about, um, you know, uh, so the words going out of my head, but generational trauma. And um, my mom is 84 and was an alcoholic my entire life. Well, she's seven months sober now. And so we're doing this healing work on our relationship because mm -hmm. now when I came to the realization of, holy moly my mom suffered horrific trauma. So it wasn't that I was unworthy yeah. of her love or an unlovable little girl. It was my mom was lost in her own world of yeah. trauma response. Yes. Um, yeah. And again, I'm not making excuses for her, but we're, again, we're, we're working through our healing, but it, it is such an aha moment. And to think of my dad, you know, who's passed to think, Oh my God, he went through so much and he never right. was able to resolve it. And now I wish I could go back in time and be like, dad, 
you know, right. I'm so sorry you went through all of that you went through. Mm -hmm. So I think it helps just such an understanding to realize, okay, yeah, I wasn't unlovable. I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't your fault. Your mother wasn't an alcoholic because of you. Right. She had her own trauma that she was dealing with. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. As adults, we can look at that and have some perspective on our parents. You know, if our parents went through the Depression, one of the world wars, um, you know, a, a woman who was like my mother was really wanting to be an architect or an engineer and it was after World War II, all the women were supposed to go back into the kitchens. And so all of those pressures and those large social movements that happened and, you know, if you have racism or gender identity issues and homophobia, all of those different things that play on people. Maybe you were, you know, a gay man during the AIDS crisis or your brother was, or right. and there's so many things that are traumatic. And if we can look at that and go, I get it that it was hard for you, but then we need to also apply that to ourselves. And go, you know, just like we could understand and have compassion for them, could we understand and have compassion for ourselves? And so maybe as a parent, you know, that's one of the things that's a bit sticky for people because we go, well, if I let them off the hook, but we're not letting them off the hook. We're just, we're looking at a context as an, as an adult going, that's really hard for someone in that situation. And I can yeah. see why, you know, I can see, I know why my mother was pretty shut down emotionally. And I understand that now I didn't at the time. I just felt like I was on my own. That I, it, it's helpful. And then we can apply that to ourselves and go, I can look back and go, I really regret that I wasn't more present and I didn't really see so clearly when, when my son was young because it, you know, it created a lot of harm. And, but can I have compassion for myself? I was in freeze. And so again, not letting ourselves off the hook or anybody off the hook, but just to, to recognize that's how human life works. Yeah. And, and we feel those pressures and we, and we're not perfect. And, you know, I, th I really believe people are doing the best they can. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's very good or it's not enough. But, you know, when we're hurt like that, it's really hard for us to function well. Right. For sure. Mm -hmm. One of the things for listeners just to understand, like freeze response. And you had talked about, you know, I thought I had done all this healing work. And then when this event happened, this, um, you know, on, on the bike, um, you, you came to the realization we were walking with our, our dogs through the um, through a nature center, which is a private members only. And someone had their dog, but they weren't holding their leash tight and they were sitting on a bench and they, this dog saw our dogs and broke free and came charging our dogs. Well, uh, you know, my friend just like picked the little dog up in the air and was trying to use her body to, to block uh, the, the other dog. And I was standing there like this. And I was absolutely frozen. And yeah. afterwards she said, what were you doing? And I said, I froze. Right. And that, I, that's what I did. That's how I always yeah. handled everything was yeah. I went into freeze yeah. mode, but, but that realization then of, okay, so I am still in that, that is my response really? to yeah. go into freeze. And so then to do some more work upon that. And that's part of that, that healing journey. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, when people go into a freeze response or a rage response or a fight response, 
people with a fight response tend to have a lot more recrimination and they have a lot more chaos in their relationships because they'll, they'll blurt things out or they'll go into some kind of an attack. And it's really hard on our relationships when someone's going into that kind of anger response. It's also hard on our relationships when someone goes into a freeze response because we're not really available. We're not really there. But to, to have that kind of understanding of, it's not like one of them is better than another. It's, and it's not like we have control over it. You know, that's a primitive brain thing. It comes in way before our conscious mind comes in. Yeah. And it's helpful to know, okay, so I froze. Is there anything I could do to kind of look into that more? Or, yeah, but to yeah. still not to give yourself a hard time about it either. It's like, that's just what happens. No, it was more of a recognition like, oh, well, that yeah. was very interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now I know I freeze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, there's so many other things I, I could talk to you about. Um, yeah, I mean, I've made all my notes for myself, but to live meditation daily, we talked about, um, and you have some classes, peaceful mind class, women's healing trauma, updating our timestamp, um, which is one of the things I had read that talked about the time piece of it. Um, so yeah, how do people, mm -hmm. how do people get involved in these classes? So there's a couple ways. One is you can, um, all the information for them is on my website. It's lynnfraserstillpoint.com. And you can go and sign up for the class. Or if you come to the daily practice and you're a regular, which, you know, I never keep track of who comes or who doesn't. But if you consider yourself a regular, you come fairly regularly, then you can come to the, to the morning classes for free on Sundays. And so some people sign up and some people come um, because of that and so the updating your timestamp one is on traumatic memory that's the one that we were talking about I usually change them every eight weeks okay. the one coming up is um, based on a quote from my meditation teacher the greatest gift you can give the world is a peaceful mind <laughs> and so part of what we're doing right now is we're ex experiencing a lot of fear in the world yeah. and what happens when we experience that hopelessness of you know the political situation or refugees or you know the one percent gathering all the money and there's financial pressure there's so much pressure on people right and how can we work with our own nervous system and with our mind as well to to settle and stabilize and and not be kind of taken over by catastrophic thoughts so that'll be the focus in march and april uh, previous ones we've done friends with your body We've done them on intergenerational trauma. So I just kind of go along with, you know, notice what my, the people I'm working with are struggling with. And, and we just kind of every couple of months, we start a new topic. So yeah, all that's on the website. The Women Healing Trauma one uh, is a small group. It's about 10 people. And it's a place where we could say, this is what's happening for me right now. And, you know, I'll talk about that as well. Um, so what, what's the educational part of that around trauma? And sometimes we'll do, you know, some practice and stuff, but really that one's a place where people can connect in a safe place where they're going to be understood. And so we don't actually talk about specific, you know, people wouldn't necessarily say this happened to me and, and go into some detail about a traumatic experience. It's more, it's kind of, this is what I'm working with. This is what's happening. And, uh, it's a place to share. I have a six month program that starts every October and that is a real um, deep container for people to do 
a serious work. It's a big commitment in time and, and in healing and in money and people can really, really transform their relationship with themselves and really heal a lot of the trauma. It involves several private sessions with me as well as the group. You know, I really love the group work because, you know, in the Sunday classes too, people come into that and they'll say, you know, this is what's going on for me right now. And, you know, like one person said the other day, I, for my whole life, I haven't ever been in my body. And now I'm starting to feel in, in there's sadness, but there's also, this isn't so bad, yeah. you know, and this is a woman in her eighties. And so it's never too late oh, yeah. to start doing that. Right. Right. And, and then what happens when we actually connect, when we're honest and authentic and we say, this is how it is for me. And people in the room, you know, on the zoom, you can see other people's faces and people are nodding and saying, yeah, I really get that. Like, and this is what's going on for me. And, you know, in the Sunday classes in particular, we do, uh, you know, some checking in and then I do some kind of an educational piece. We do inquiry often and then more checking in. So people have a chance to do some kind of deep work, you know. So all of that's on my website. It'd be, you know, I'd, I'm also happy to just get together with someone and talk about, uh, you know, what they might want or how they might see themselves getting involved. Wonderful. Well. Fantastic. Anything else that you would like to touch upon before we close out? You know, one thing may be the Radical Recovery Summit. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's RadicalRecoverySummit.com. And it's just finished. We just have it's in January every year. And it's such a beautiful opportunity to learn and also be inspired. Like I thought there was really, you know, the 12-step method which has helped so many millions of people. It's not the only way that people are working with, with addiction anymore. And, you know, there's the, the things that drive addiction. One of them is trauma. Yeah. Uh, there's external pressure. There's a lot of things that drive us to want to escape, which makes sense when we look at this is painful. I don't want to be here for this. But there's so many people that are doing such fascinating work. And so, you know, Rick Hansen is a neuropsychologist. He wrote Buddha's Brain and and his latest is on resilience. Uh, he talks about the, you know, how to grow positive connections in the brain. Um, you know, James Gordon uh, works with large populations. Like he worked with the Parkland school uh, people from the shooting. Yeah. He works with people after earthquakes, that kind of thing. And he has this really simple practice of shaking and dancing. So breathing, shaking and dancing. That's really good to get the, get the trauma out of the body yeah, just right? made me want <laughs> yeah, exactly and you know annie grace talks about um she she works with alcohol but you don't have to be abstinent you could actually work in a in a, a, a different kind of a way and and release some of the shame out of there's a lot of shame around addiction yeah a lot of shame around trauma too but all of these different ways that people work, you know, the somatic experiencing Peter Levine's work and, and um, you know, and Cam and Defo has something called the resilience toolkit. So how can we heal our nervous system? Right. And it's about Killaby's work as well with the Killaby Center. It's a mindfulness-based recovery center. So it's, I get to do all of these amazing chats with people. And I'm sure you could relate to that too with your podcast. It's really fun to interview people about what they're doing. 
Yeah. And to really, I have so much optimism because there's so many people doing this wonderful work. And so um, I'd really encourage people to check that out. It's, it's over now for this year, but you can sign up for next year. It's only $40 to get the access to the interviews. Okay. So they could, they can actually to go on and go into people's websites and see what they do. Yeah, for sure. They can still buy the path. Yeah. You're so, so yeah. absolutely correct. I I've learned so much. I love doing this podcast one, because like you said, there's just, there is so much hope to be found and how many, how many healers are out there doing this amazing work in the world? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, and they're not on Fox news. They're not on the CNN for the most right. part. You know, we, we kind of, we don't see all of the wonderful connection work that's being done and the healing work. And, and uh, I think it's really helpful to, yeah. to have that, to balance some of the, the media that we see, you know, the yes. helplessness that we feel. Cause there's actually a lot that we can do to heal and to feel better. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, I thank you for that summit and I will have to go check it out for sure. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, it has been an absolute joy to have you on here. Um, I'm so glad we connected. Um, and thank you. Thank oh, you for, for me work too. You're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Everyone. Thank you for joining us today on the healing place podcast. And remember until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.